Alrighty, Betrayer, we're gonna give this one last go, okay? No more interruptions, no more line flubs, no more of that. We're not, we're on a time crunch here. Just remember, if you want to be nasty, I, I can't do anything about that. But remember, warm welcome to start, okay? Warm welcome. We gotta be, we gotta be good here, man. Ugh, blood and ashes, Gleeman. You're acting like it's my fault we're on a time crunch here. If you just let me kill the dogs, then it wouldn't be a problem anymore. No more barking, no more nothing. We can just get this No, down. like I've told you before, we can't kill the damn dogs. People like the damn dogs. Just, just, just do the recording, you jackass. Oh, oh, it's gonna be like that, is it? You're gonna give me shit when I'm here. I'm Okay! Oh, you're a piece of shit, Gleeman. You wait to see the kind of tortures that are gonna come up in your dreams tonight, buddy. You just wait. Fine, we'll just get on with it. Let's go. What, 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 what was it again? Warm what? Warm welcome, Balsamon. Warm welcome. We've been getting a lot more support on Podbean and on Twitter and on YouTube. So thank the guys so we can move on. Be nice. And then go about all the shit you're going to just, 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 just get on with it, please. Fine. Warm welcome. Well... First, to all of our subscribers on Podbean and Twitter and YouTube and uh, all of it, thank you very much. Yeah, it's nice. Thank you from him, because I don't give a shit. However, the uh, followers and supporters who have pledged themselves to the great Lord of the Dark, you're much appreciated. Oh yes, Gleeman, do not forget. I do not want to be here. I am here on the great Lord of the Dark's orders because that is what Nabless does. They serve him, not themselves. Now, we agreed. I can use your platform to recruit new friends of the Dark. Did we or did we not? Well, I did mean... We uh, yes, not? yes, I agreed against my better Very judgment. Well. Now we'll get along with whatever you want. So yes, for all of your subscribers and returning listeners, thank you. Yes, even from me, especially my fellow friends of the dark. Why don't you comment and post and show the Gleeman just how many of you there are? To any of you that are here for the first time, for some reason, on episode 19 on a reread podcast that goes chapter by chapter. Well, if you're trying to figure this out and see if you like it, uh, I guess you'd have to like me, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not in the whole thing. I don't have the patience. So if you're just listening to this and going, Wow, the great lord. Oh my god. Balsamon. Nabless himself is in this podcast. Yeah, no, only in the beginning. I don't... I don't have the patience for this bullshit. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I just don't. So yes, spoiler warning, that's what this is. If, if you've never been here before, that's what we do here. We, the creator of this incredibly, ridiculously in-depth content covers the chapters chapter by chapter. He's read the series so many times, he can't even remember how many times he's read it. It's ridiculous. So while he might not remember every insignificant detail of what might be coming up, 
Well, he also might decide to randomly talk about something that happens two, five, seven, or ten books down the line, so be warned. You have been warned. If you have yet to finish this series, well, who's to blame, listener? Not I! Who went and ruined the greatest fantasy series ever? Not I. Alright, I'm out of here. That's, that's all I had to do. <laughs> Bye! No, no, no! I don't know what the hell you thought you were doing with that, but you flubbed out so bad at the end. Not happening! You're gonna sit back down, and you're gonna record. Where are you going? No, no, don't you start opening a gate. No, we need to finish. We need to do the recap. No, 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 I can't hear you. Wait, recap? Oh, yeah, I forgot about the recap. Uh, hmm, what happened? You ranted about white cloaks for ten minutes. The child I said I was somewhat impressive with an illusion, which, come on, to me, come on. Uh, okay, uh, although I'll admit, I don't see any masks, many masks of mirrors that big. It was actually kind of impressive. Not gonna lie. Again, I could do it myself. Have done it easily. So much easier to do in the dream, but I mean, whatever. And uh, what else happened? Yeah, she beat up the white cloaks. You ranted. Uh, what else do we have to talk about here? Nothing. You know what? Nothing. Just go. We've been wasting so much time. Just go. Just go. I'm gonna get my clip of the day. And then I'm gonna start the podcast. And I'm gonna have a great time once you're gone. A great yeah, yeah. time. <laughs> have fun with that. This Chosen has places to be, but Alzaman, out. Yeah, so, uh, welcome back to Gleeman Radio, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting. I, I'm i going to look for my clip of the day and get back into a good mood, and then we're going to have a great podcast, because uh, I'm actually pretty excited about this one. We get a uh, battle scene. We get another Moraine being badass scene. I just, oh, let's get, let's get into it, because... I want to see me some Trollocs dead, okay? I want to see some Servants of the Shadow dead. Uh, I, I'm, 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 chapter, what, 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 what clip? I'm going to go find the clip. Yet, as if the ground were not rearing all around them, the Murdral moved forward in a line, their dead black horses never missing a step, every hoof in unison. Trollocs rolled on the ground all about the black steeds, howling and grabbing at the hillside that heaved them up, but the Murdral came slowly on. Moraine lifted her staff, and the earth stilled. But she was not done. She pointed to the hollow between the hills, and flame gouted from the ground, a fountain twenty feet high. She flung her arms wide, and the fire raced to left and right as far as the eye could see, spreading into a wall separating humans and trollocs. The heat made Rand put his hands in front of his face, even on the hilltop. The Murdral's black mounts, whatever strange powers they had, screamed at the fire, reared and fought their riders as the Murdral beat at them, trying to force them through the flames. Alrighty then. My god, that was a chapter I needed. I needed it so bad after that Baalzaman bullshit. My god. Okay, guys, let's start up. With the chapter 18 breakdown of the Camelin Road. Oh, this was so much better than I was expecting. I don't know why. For some reason, I always kind of forget how intense that Trolloc battle was. And then Moraine comes and just, just, just blows everything away. <laughs> she was amazing. Oh my god. Um, and then they decide they have to go to some place that's just not great. But we'll get to that. 
So the chapter starts out with Rand being quite homesick. I mean, he's like, the Camelon Road is just like the North Road back home in the Two Rivers. It's this hard-packed dirt road, except it's twice as wide and like three times as worn from use and the rolling, hilling countryside is totally different. Oh, but those evergreens, it's still showing off a bit of green, just like back home. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, he's just trying to find that connection, right? You know, that something familiar to give him courage or a bit of, you know, just resolve. And just, you kind of feel bad for Rand. He's been making a lot of stupid decisions lately, no doubt about that. But you just, <laughs> you feel bad for the guy in these kind of moments, you know? Also a little embarrassed for him. It's just like home! Two things, except everything's different. And, and those things that are the same are kind of different. It's just, oh, you poor guy. Uh, so the gang are actually going to be traveling on this road for several days. And the land's getting more and more hilly. The, the description's just kind of a bit bland. I can picture it in my head, you know. But it's, it's like a paragraph. So it's fine. It's fine. But anyways, who cares about some hilly countryside when we get to focus on land for a bit, am I right? The warder is in, like, super scout mode because he, you know, he feels them being followed. He knows they're being followed. He knows who is following them, so he's got to be alert, you know what I mean? Uh, and he stops the party and lets them rest and stretch their legs and eat something every few hours as they get to the top of the hill so he can take some time staring around and observing the countryside with his steely blue-eyed gaze. You know what I mean? He gotta gauge that enemy's location. He needs to know where the Phaser Trollocs are coming from. Cause he knows, they know, they're taking this road. You know? There's just, there's limited options here. Uh, and he's, he's really pushing hard. And honestly, Land kind of reminds me in, the, in these scenes as that stereotypical road trip dad, if you get what I mean. You know, like, all right, we're stopping here, so you better stretch your legs and you've got to use the bathroom. You do it now because we're not stopping for another three hours of this. I don't even care if you have to pee or not. 20 minutes from now, you're going to hold it, okay? We've got a schedule to keep, you know? <laughs> Again, it just, maybe it's just me, but it reminds me of the stereotypical road trip dad. I found it very funny, you know? Um, <laughs> and during one of these breaks, we get a Gwen kind of grumpy about her food. <laughs> She's like, I hate cheese now. I used to like cheese, but now cheese is shit and I don't want to eat it anymore. <laughs> uh, apparently the crew have only really be been eating dried bread and cheese each meal for days and she's getting really tired of it um uh, she even complains a little bit about wishing she had some hot tea or a fire to warm herself and she's pulling her cloak just a bit tighter around herself in the wind and i get that i get that to be honest i only like melted cheese that sounds ridiculous i like string cheese like i can eat mozzarella and something plain but i've never cut a chunk of cheese off the brick and just put it in my mouth. It's just not something I do with cheese, you know? I, I dice it up and cook with it or, you know, something like that. Uh, or I put it into a sandwich. That's really the only way to eat it raw. Uh, I know that's probably just not the best way to do it, but that's just how it works for me. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, Gwen's like, I want tea. I want fire. And Land's like, no tea. No fire. <laughs> 
we don't gonna want to give away our location. Uh, seriously, he's totally got the road trip dad thing going on. All stern and no, we're gonna listen to what I say. We're doing my schedule. Blah. I love it. I love it. And uh, I get a Gwen's response here. She's like, I wasn't asking. Just regretting. <laughs> I get that. Because, you know, I used to be the kind of person that bottled everything in. And it really didn't go super well. <laughs> it kind of, like, set me off in these little explosions, you know what I mean? But, honestly, now I just complain once, audibly, about something that ticked me off or just rubbed me the wrong way. And it's gone. I let it go. It's not festering anymore for me. So I can get her, I'm just regretting. I think I'm going to use that next time someone's like, you're complaining. I'm not complaining, just regretting. <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, sorry about my white cloak rant last week, if you weren't into that. I mean, there's some cases I can move on when I complain, but there's some that just keep coming up recurringly. <laughs> and if you weren't into that rant... I, I'm so sorry, but it'll probably happen again because, well, we're going to see Pot on Fane again. We're going to see the White Cloaks again, and I'm obviously going to get frustrated again. So, sorry about that. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the plot, uh, after apparently ignoring the Aes Sedai for the first day on the road, I like how apparently the Wisdom has been trying to talk to her about herbs <laughs> for the last two days. And getting increasingly frustrated as Moraine shows no interest. Um, I guess Moraine just kind of like, you know, she's the other big dog lady in the group right now. At least that's how she sees himself. She hasn't lowered herself under Moraine. Uh, and she's, you know, she's trying to talk equally. And, you know, it's just, just most I said I don't use herbs. Not even the yellows who focus on healing, which drives Nynaeve's nuts. I think there was only one a uh, yellow sister who grows an herb garden in her, you know, white tower chambers up on the balcony or something. And I think Nynaeve likes her the best or something because she kind of uses them in teas and then she maybe uh, helps the village, the town children. with. I don't know. Uh, just poor Nynaeve, who will always be into herbs, you know, even with her channeling and everything. Uh, and, uh, to be honest, tell me it should not be, like, studied just a little bit in the White Tower. Or that Moraine, uh, Nynaeve's not gonna have that happen eventually, you know what I mean? Like, there's so, Nynaeve, I said I should learn. Because, like, if you're at a certain level, like Moraine is, uh, the, when you reach your limit, the herbs can help you relax, or help you sleep that night, or help you wake up without the headache, or, I, I honestly, I think Nynaeve should teach, teach a course on herbs, at the White Tower. I think it, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take that opinion here. Uh, I don't know how many of you agree with me, but I think herbs are actually very useful in the series, you know, and I think the White Tower just don't take advantage of it like they should. Maybe if they were a little more focused on herbs, they wouldn't be so, pro so, so pro surprised about something like, I don't know, fork root tea. I mean, of course, Nynaeve hadn't heard about it either, but Nynaeve's was like, just stuck in that uh, uh, Two Rivers area and knew about stuff there. If she had been traveling around as much as she did, of course she would learn about it. And the Aes Sedai would have learned about it. So, the, you know, be a little bit more attentive, guys. Learn knowledge even you don't think is useful because you never know. I bet the Brown sisters can agree with me on that. Oh, I, I, 
I went off about herbs for no reason. And herbs are not in my notes other than Nynaeve was frustrated, Moraine was not interested. So, <laughs> where am I? Uh, oh, I'll admit, though, I got a little bit jealous reading this chapter because I just went for, to the gym for the first time the other day. I was supposed to go this morning, but my, my body was not doing it. I, I'm going to do some workout at home, you know. I'm not wasting any money not going today. I have a 30-day punch card, you know. If I go today and I'm not feeling it, I actually am wasting money. So, uh, But I was a little jealous because Nynaeve's talking about some of these herbs, and I can't remember what they're actually called. But Nynaeve's like, you know, there's this certain root and this... Uh, tea stuff that you put together and it works with muscle soreness and tiredness and it helps with all that and I'm like Nynaeve can you be my coach can, can, can you please help me out because I need something for muscle soreness okay <laughs> those weights are ooh. Uh, Perrin uh, actually wonders aloud if they're so worried about the pursuit of an enemy and the enemy knows they're on the road wouldn't it be easier to get away across country? And Moraine shuts that down with some simple logic. She's like, there is no way that even Lan would be able to outrun the Trollocs cross country with all these hills and everything. Besides, they'll have to get back on the road eventually to get to Whitebridge, seeing as that's the only way they can cross the Aranel River to head for Tarvalin, unless they want to head all the way down to Salvadea to cross. I think they say there's a crossroads or a bridge in Meridon or something about that in Saldea. Uh, and Rand and Matt are both doubtful about this, like muttering about taking the long way around. But Land points out that from here to Whitebridge, it's all wilderness. Have you ever seen, have you seen any smoke billowing from chimneys? No, you haven't. Have you seen any farms? No, you won't. There is nothing here. No one to help us in case something goes bad. And we need to be smart about this. So we need to make our choices very logically here because they're kind of in some shit right now. Uh, Tom asks a very logical question here. Uh, what keeps them from finding someone or something waiting for them at Whitebridge? And just then, before we really get our answer, we get a horn blast from behind. And it's the Trollocs. And Rand gauged the sound, and he's like, oh my god, they, they can't be much farther than ten miles away. Uh-oh. How do you gauge sound? Can any of you hear a sound and be like, no, like last night, right? Uh, I, I got everything ready. I took all my notes. I wrote, I recorded my introduction with Balzaman. I got my clip of the day. And then I sit down to record, and there's fireworks and the dogs barking, and I couldn't, right? Can any of you say that last night, on the 4th of July, you heard a firework go off and be like, that was approximately 7.3 miles away in the west. You know, how do you, how do you gauge that? That's so interesting. I'm trying to figure out if this is just fictional or if there's people that actually have that omnidirectional hearing that can be like, nope. That was about five miles to the south. We better keep going. Like, how do you do that? That's, that's, that's cool and confusing at the same time. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but Lan has another badass moment, obviously, while uh, answering Tom's question about what's 
how do they prevent someone waiting for them at Whitebridge? But Lair's like, nothing stops them, Gleeman. We can only trust into the light and the luck to see us through. But now, we know for sure Trollocs are behind us. Lan is cool. Just, 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 you know, he's just like, there is no stopping them. We'll just keep going, you know? It reminds me of the two rivers. Minetherin people and the Borderlands people would get along great, okay? And uh, I think Minetherin's making a comeback, you know? Two rivers isn't going to be just a simple, plain old two rivers from chapter two that, you know, after the series is over. Because they've increased in size due to, like, you know, the migration of people fleeing their lands and all this trouble. Uh, they've built trade. Perrin and Fael are in charge. I don't know if they still will be because Fael now has other responsibilities. And wherever Fael goes, Perrin goes. So, oh, wait, no, I heard about it, right? Uh, wasn't Tan made steward of the two rivers? Uh, again, I'm getting off traffic. <laughs> topic. I'm getting off topic. Uh, so everybody's scared now. Moraine declares it's time to go, and everyone anxiously saddles up and are ready to run full out at a word from either the warder and the ice knight. They're just ready to go. Come on, let's run away. I hear the horns, and I'm scared. Um, <laughs> but both Moraine and Lan, they're as calm as hell. They're chill, okay? They, they have this long look at each other. While Moraine's in the saddle and lands on the ground because, you know, Moraine's so short in the books. I, I guess we're going to have to get over Rosamund Pike's height. Um, I don't think they're going to be trying to do any tricks to make her shorter. So we just have to deal with the TV show. Moraine is going to be uh, a bit tall. Did I say her name right? I'm always nervous about that uh, because I honestly, I'm not 100% sure how I feel about her yet. I'm definitely not opposed and I'm, I'm putting my faith in Rafe Judkins and everything, but... Oh, I, I just, I just, I like my short ladies because, you know, I'm short. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have this really uncomfortable thing about girls being way too tall for me, okay? I, I, the Aiel ladies are great, but they're probably all a head taller than me, and that would make me uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, since I'm short, I have to date someone who's short, which is going to make sure my kids are short and they're going to hate me forever. So, I, I, I don't know. Personal preference, I guess. I keep going off on tangents here. Maybe I shouldn't be recording this early in the morning. Oh, man. <sighs> so, everybody is ready to go, right? And then Lan does another badass move. He's like, keep them moving, Moraine Sedai. And I will return as soon as I am able. You will know if I fail. And with that, he mounts his tall black warhorse and rides off full tilt in the direction of the sounding drolic horns. Because Lad is awesome. Oh my god. Uh, as he rides off into the distance, his cloak billowing in the wind, Moraine quietly sees him off with a barely audible, The light be with you, last lord of the Seven Towers. And... So cool! I, I just can't get over it. Can I give Lan all the goddamn badass points in existence, please? My god, I mean, he, he's just so amazing. This is why when Wheel of Time fans think warder, they think beast. I mean, come on. Other warders make him off cool and badass at times, right? But can you think of any warders at all that can stand up to Lan? Really? Like, because I can't. The only characters that I can come 
that the only character, not characters, that I can see coming even close to rivaling the great Alan Mandragoran, last lord of the Seven Towers, and uncrowned king of Malkir, who, by the way, is a non-plot armored protected Taviran, nor a world-shattering channeler, is the only other superpowered, non-superpowered character that's considered even cl close to being as deadly or dangerous. Ruark. Oh my god. How many people have imagined, like, a friendly match between Ruark and Land? See, you know? Like, like, like they just throw down their spear and throw down their sword, and they're like, alright, fisticuffs, let's see what you got, clan chief. He's like, alright, let's see what you got on the line. Oh, just so cool. I hope I'm not rambling too much. And, <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, it's just, it's all so cool, and there's not many people as badass at Land as Land through the entire series. Okay, you need to remember that. This guy does not have channeling powers. He does not have magical luck or can talk to wolves or, or, or any of that. He's just awesome. Unadulterated badass. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. As I was writing out these notes for this portion of the chapter and I started rereading how much I was gushing over Lan, it reminded me of that scene in the first season of Joss Whedon's Angel, you know, the show about the vampire with a soul, the spinoff of Buffy, right? And Cordy, uh, one of the characters, asks Doyle, another one of the main characters, if he's a little attracted to Angel, because he's talking about how Angel's cool, and that the ladies are somehow sometimes getting a savior complex from him, and that he needs to learn to let go and push a little away, and you know, all that, and... But he's like, I get what they're thinking. You know, I mean, he comes in all brooding, handsome, and he throws his trench coat over him, and it billows in the wind as he steps out into the darkness to save an innocent. And Cordelia's just like, billowing? Are you sure you're not a little attracted? And Doyle's like, No, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not attracted to him. And then Angel comes out, and he's like, All right, give me the address. I got to go take care of this. And he puts on his trench coat. And they slow mow it, and his cloak is billowing in the office okay whatever and then Doyle just kind of quirks his head and goes okay maybe I'm a little attracted <laughs> I, I don't know it's it's probably because I used the word billowing and that's what that brought me back to there uh it's just what came to mind okay uh I'm, I'm not planning on making a life change anytime soon but damn Lan is impressive okay <laughs> Uh, at least I'm not the only one interested here. Rand was kind of intrigued by hearing Moraine call the warder the last lord of the Seven Towers. But he was nothing, nothing next to Tom's interests. Okay? Upon hearing this, Tom had this really pensive, deep-thinking look while he, interesting descriptor here, chewed on his mustaches. I don't know. I like the blow out the mustache. Uh, describer, I think that's very amusing to picture in my head, but chewing on your mustache just looks gross, and, and like, because I picture it, and I just see Tom, it's like, it, you know, when I think of Tom in my head, sometimes I think of Sam Elliott, so I just see Sam Elliott, like, you know, pinching one of his mustaches and chewing on it, and I'm like, that's not manly, <laughs> but maybe that's because I'm picturing Sam Elliott, I don't know, I, I've heard people uh, want Jim Carrey, a couple people want Jim Carrey for Tom, I'm not I'm, I'm not completely opposed to that honestly. That would be really cool. But he would have to play it more subdued. You know, you can't be a wacky Tom Marilyn until you get to some of those drunk scenes. I don't Another tangent. Look at me.
Um, <laughs> yeah, so Tom was very interested, but of course, not only is Tom old enough to remember Malkir, and perhaps has even performed there at one point, right? But, he, I mean, like, it, it was in his lifetime. I, I think it fell, like, 20, 40 years ago. I'm just saying, no, 40 years ago, because Land's like, Land's like almost 50, right? And it fell when he was a baby. Okay, I'm saying, I don't know the timeline here. It's still in Tom's lifetime. There's no way someone like Tom doesn't know Malkir. So this is probably awesome. Tom, Marilyn, and Moraine are the only ones who know who Lan really is now, which is cool. Very cool. Anyways, um, back to the plot. Uh, these tangents are ridiculous. Moraine is escorting the Emmons fielders at a slow, steady pace. Remember, they were all freaked the hell out and just wanted to sprint out on their horses. But Moraine's like, nah, we're going to do a slow walk and we're going to keep going and we're going to steady pace. Steady as she goes. We're just, just going to slowly take it in there, right? Probably to preserve horsepower because you never know when they're going to have to really... <laughs> horsepower. <laughs> Oh, why did I crack myself up with that? But again, like, they know they're probably going to have to put in some serious fleeing here, right? So, you know, rest the horses. There's no reason to pick up the pace at this moment. Uh, only those who are really afraid or panicky might do that. And everybody's freaked out. Perrin was hunched in on himself, probably trying to make himself a smaller tor target, right? Maybe picturing some uh, arrows coming out of his way. Uh, we already know he's going to get hit by a Trolloc arrow one day, and he's not going to like it. Um, everyone is just, they're, they're afraid, because they can hear the Trolloc horns getting closer and closer and closer. And just, no! <laughs> and Nynaeve, Nynaeve's kind of had enough, and she catches up with Moraine. She's like, can we move a little bit faster, please? They keep getting closer, and everybody's freaking out. Not me, of course. I'm just getting angry. Okay, but but they're getting scared, not me. <laughs> uh, but Maureen's clever here, and she asks the wisdom, move faster into what? You know, why do they continue to blow their horns behind us and warn us that they're nearby? What are they trying to scare us into? We're going to keep our pace so that they don't panic and we just crash right into something we don't want to deal with. You know, Maureen's just... Mm. Yes, she's doing awesome. She's... Go Moraine. Um, so they continue their pe measured pace, and the horns are growing louder and closer, and they're panicking, but trying to keep it under control. And then Land just suddenly bursts in through the trees and pulls up alongside Moraine. You know, Land's back. Yes! And uh, <laughs> he's like, at least three fists of Trollocs, all led by a half-man. Possibly five. He just lays that out so calmly. So neatly. Huh. That's crazy. Egwene shows her fear in her youth. By panicking a little. Understandable. Like, she's like, oh no, if you're close enough to see them, maybe they saw you. And... <laughs> Fat chance, girly. You know who you're talking about? You're talking about the king of warders here. Okay, the, the, I'm pretty sure the actual term King of Orders was used in the book in some place. Okay, and now I make my jokes at all, 
but I'm not going to lie, Nynaeve's confidence response here seemed odd. You know, she announced absolutely to the True Rivers folk that it's like, he wasn't seen. And when they're all looking at her, she's like, what? I know how good he is. I tracked him myself. So, I remember, and it's great and all, that the Wisdom has these good tracking skills. But it's not something that's really discussed very often in the book. Uh, just a while back, she's just like, I followed your trail, Lan. And Lan's like, oh my god, you followed my trail. And that was it. That's really all we get about her tracking abilities. Uh, it's just said in passing. And then we see a few more occasions of it in like this book. But then she really doesn't do it at much anymore. But maybe it's because now that I think about it, she's spending a lot of times in cities and palaces. Huh. Oh, maybe my complaint here is invalid. Maybe if she'd spent more time in the wilderness, we'd see more tracking skills. Because there is, like, a point where they're standing out in, what, uh, the, the, Aradoman? No. The place with the wise women and the red belts and the, uh, oh my god. I can't remember. Oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. Oh no. Where, oh my god. I, I can't keep focusing on this. I'm just frustrated I can't remember. But it, she was standing in the field with all the wise women, and they're moving on. Uh, Terabon? No, moving on. Uh, and she's watching a direction. Apparently, she, she's knowing where Lan went, and at this point, they're not even bonded yet. So she only found his tracks, and she's waiting for him to come back. That was, like, the only other time I remember it really being discussed in the book. So it, I, I don't I don't know... Maybe if she'd gotten more legitimate praise from, like, Brigitta about this or something. But Brigitta did take her to sneak up on Forsaken in the dream. So maybe she's like, yeah, you good are good at quietly stalking. I, I don't know. It's, it's just there. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's just move on. I just It's something I find a little odd. But Moraine silences Nynaeve and makes it clear to them all. Like, the warder has just confirmed, okay, that there may be as many as 500 Trollocs out there after them. And perhaps five fades as well. So we gotta we, we, we gotta organize and we gotta make sure we don't screw up. Because things just got like a million times more dangerous. They knew there were some Trollocs, but I don't think they thought they were anywhere close to that many. And while this is shocking and terrifying, what Moraine really wants to know is how that many got into the Westlands unnoticed in the first place. Like, did they have this many to throw at the two rivers? And if so, why did they hold them back? Or perhaps more importantly, if there wasn't this many during the fight with the two rivers, then where the hell did they all come from? You know, th this is very concerning. Of course, this being a reread podcast, we all already know it's the ways. Um, we can all at least take some comfort in the fact that while 500 Trollocs may have gotten out, probably twice or three times as many died and were fed to Machin Chin. You know, like, so many creatures of the dark probably died to get them out there. So we gotta, that's even more dead that we found out about. Isn't that great? Huh? Take that Baalzaman. The, 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 the creatures of the dark one just die. They die so easy under the right circumstances. Uh, yeah. So just to be clear, uh, just, just to get the positions and everything 
uh, right. It's my understanding the crew is traveling west on the Camelin Road towards, you know, Whitebridge and Camelin, okay? Uh, and the Hornblows are coming from the east, so right behind them. Lan announces that the Shadowspawn are spread out behind them in order to drive them onward. And when someone asks, drive us onward into what? A sudden horn blast from behind is answered by several ahead. Well, that question was answered. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine being flanked by hundreds of Trollocs only to find out there's another large set of Trollocs in front of you? Oh, goodness. These kids, they've been through a lot. This is probably one of their most terrifying moments. This this probably beats out the attack on Emmons Field for them. You know, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So now Moraine has to decide what to do next. I mean, they can't go south because that way only leads to the barren hills of Absher and the Tarin, which would be impossible to cross even if they wanted to go in the complete opposite direction they were really aiming for. So she decides their only real option is to go north towards the Aranel in hopes of finding a trading ship heading down that they can board and travel along with. It, it seems... Uh, it's It doesn't seem very plausible. It, for, for Moraine, it seems like grasping at straws, doesn't it? Not any good options. Uh, but Lan suggests another, a place the Trollocs won't go, and Moraine's like, hell no, shutting that down right now, because that is way too damn dangerous. So sorry, Moraine. <laughs> so sorry. As we know, soon enough, you won't really have any other choice. And with that, they decide to embark into the untamed wilderness off the road, uh, on their way to the north, because... They're going to hope for that trading vessel, even though that sounds incredibly slim pickings. It, it, it's not a very good idea, Moraine. You're picking at straws here. We know where you have to go. This is not good. And uh, poor Tom is freaking out a little bit, and he has the right to be scared. You know, they're just he's just sitting there going, they're trying to startle us like rabbits. The moment we panic, and the moment we run, it's the moment they're going to get us. And he sounds like he is panicking, you know, but, like, he has a right to be. He doesn't want to be involved in this shit. He just wanted to help the boys out, and now he has to deal with not only Ice and I... But I said I in Shadow Spawn. Like, can you imagine him going, Oh, am I really gonna die here? This is just ah, like poor guy. Oh man, the Gle the Gleeman's awesome. Like he, he can't get MVP in this chapter. But uh because <laughs> that that's Lan and Moraine all the way in this chapter. So apparently the off-road trek to the north was really bad. The warder was somehow having them move faster than they did on the road. But in the overgrowth, it's so just bad that Rand keeps, keeps getting hit in the face and in the chest with branches and scraped by thorn and some roots and bushes is like, is tangling up his like foot and pulling it out of the stirrup. And it's just, how are the horses walking well? How are they trotting? Like, if it's this overgrown, good God. I, ah, uh, and all the time, the entire time. The Trolloc horns are still getting closer and closer. Imagine how much that must suck. I mean, not only 
are you afraid? Not only are you being pursued, but you have to deal with this irritation of going through just all this overgrowth, okay? I mean, last week, we had our big spring growth, right? And the, the, the bush tree growing next to our back porch and the weeds that are like three foot feet high in our backyard were just getting un so unruly that every time I wanted to take up the damn trash, I had to get my face smacked by branches as I got out on the back porch. I had to duck, I had to weave, I had to bob, I had to maneuver, and then I get out off the porch and go around the backyard towards the dumpster, and what happens? Like, there's 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 weeds nearly as tall as I am, and I'm trying to jump around them, and I can never tell if there's, like, a bee floating around in between. It's happened before, so I'm just... So I blazed a trail through. It was so frustrating. And I spent some time pruning those branches just because, like, two minutes of it at, uh, every few days is too frustrating for me, okay? But they're, like, running on horseback getting smacked in the face and tugged out of stirrups and I just it 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 has to be awful just just awful but oh after a while of miserable tra miserable travel land slows and simply announces there are trollocs close by most likely the scouts all they have to do is stay with him and do what he does. Well, that's that's actually a tall order land because you're a badass. And these are untrained boys and the wisdom and naive, okay? The 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 wisdom and naive and the wisdom of Gwen. You know, they they may be spunky, but they're not ready for Trollocs. Ah, oh, man. They crest the next hill. And right below them, marching up in waves were Trollocs. And I mean a lot of Trollocs. Too many to count quickly and in rows from right to left, like almost going out of sight. Oh my God, these poor, poor bastards. I mean, imagine how scary it must be to see these monsters and not only realize are there too many for you to count easily, but you realize their weapons are for capture, not killing. They've all got hooked poles and catch poles and nooses and they're just trying to pull the humans off. That's what their goal is, to pull them off and kidnap them. They're here to take the boys away and imagine if it worked. All three would probably have been dragged straight into Shale Ghoul. Would they have been able to refuse? Or would have they have been overwhelmed? I, it's just, it could have ended all. If Moraine was not in peak condition, if Lan wasn't as good as he was, it could have all ended very badly here. It's just, it's just crazy to think about. Oh, but this, this, this fight, this whole thing is just so epic. And somehow, no matter how many times I've read this book, I'm still horrified at how many damn Trollocs were here. It's also kind of perfect because Land's at the center of them leading them in and then the Merdral is at the center of the Trollocs and when they come up on each other, Land and the Merdral are like dead centered on each other and Merdral like looks at them, looks at them and pulls out his sword and it's just like, yeah, it's on. 
and lands epic insanity as he pulls his sword, yells for them to keep up and keep close, and charges down at this army of Trollocs with only eight people with a battle cry of For the Seven Towers? How do you match that? How do they do what you do without looking incredibly stupid? I just, honestly, I was kind of put off Battle Cries a bit in this series. The first time here I heard an irate Elaine pull, pulling her belt knife in the streets of Tanchico or whatever and scream, forward the white lion! And just, as she charges somebody, I was like, no, all right, I'm done. I'm done with I'm done with battle cries, because if she had been like among her troops, and was like forward the white lion, and she points her hand, and then she marches along with them and uses channeling, that would have been cool. But pulling her belt knife in the street for a brawl, for, forward the white no, 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 I was just done. I was just not into it. Um, but this, this was all right, especially from Lan. And Matt. <laughs> Rand and Perrin's little Formadathoran was nice and all, but they're not really warriors at this point, and it did sound a bit silly coming from them. But hey, Lan says do what they do, what he did, so they get a pass. I mean, <laughs> they're just following orders here, okay? Matt, though. Matt came in hard and awesome. The young trickster came in sprouting old tongue, battle cries from Manetherin. Like, yeah, so only Matt and Lan get away with a snigger here from me, okay? You know what? You know what? I'm going to put in the quote here for a second. Like, listen to this. Karayan Kaldazar. Karayan Alessandra. The old tongue is so cool. Oh, my God. So, yeah, Matt and Lan... Epic battle cries. Randon Perrin? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Now that we've gotten to the battle portion, uh, let's be clear. If I set a precedent now for covering all of the fight scenes in this series bit by bit, it, it would end up being ridiculous in the future. It would just be such such horrible overwork. Um, so usually I'm just going to break them down a bit and discuss some of the more awesome points or some of the more, uh, important aspects. But today, since I'm, like, still so excited about the show coming out, I just kind of, I, I want to kind of, like, paint you a scene, okay? And I want you to imagine, how, along with me, how terrifying and awesome this condensed battle portion could be in the upcoming show. So the warder and the Thade meet, their blades flashing with superhuman skill, speed, and endurance. Every potential lethal stroke punctuated by a flash of blue lightning, signature of power wrought steel meeting Thakandar's shadow steel. The battle is so fierce, it's the only thing the Trollocs try to avoid as their horrifying numbers begin to crowd around the humans, pressing in tightly shoulder to shoulder and doing their best to pull the struggling humans out of the saddle. Rand struggles terrified among the masses, the unpracticed use of his sword making his style more akin to chopping through wood and underbrush than that of a swordmaster as the herons on his sheath 
Handel, and Blade proclaim him to be. Not much of Matt and Perrin is seen during the struggle, as Rand barely manages to stay on the back of his terrified Grey Stallion, trying desperately to get closer to Egwene and Nynaeve through the tangle of hairy limbs. However, he need not have worried. Moraine was with them, her face as hard as her warders. She struck out again, and again with her staff, each strike calculated and precise, and each time she raised her staff yet again, another trollic lay charred and smoking. The sky was still filled with the crashing thunder of blue light as the warder and the half-man continued their fierce and uninterrupted duel, and the ice dice searched out more shadowspawn prey wishing to burn them all. However, Rand is caught behind from a cat by a catch hook. The metal ha had tangled into his cloak, and he was actually being pulled out of the saddle. And another Trolloc was grabbing at his leg, pulling him again. Only the tight grip on his reins and his rearing stallion kept him from the ground. In that same moment, he could see that he was not the only young man in trouble. Matt wasn't in this scene, but Perrin was halfway out of his saddle as well, wrestling his axe away from three Trollocs, as one as one had them each by one arm and both of his legs. <sighs> However, in that last moment before the two fell, there was a terrible scream. And all about them, the Trollocs scrabbled, fell, screamed, and cried, tearing at their eyes, tearing at the ground, gnawing at the groots. And they all died. Lan had won. Atop his horse, the Murdral flailed around uselessly, uncontrollably, and his head was gone. Oh my god. I love this series. I just... I just do. Like, Jordan is really good at this action and battle stuff. I, I mean... Holy crap. My only complaint in this battle scene is that we didn't get any of Matt. I mean, we could have had a sentence of him, like, standing in the saddle with his face in a grimace as he let out arrow after arrow or something like that, but we didn't, and that was too bad. We got his epic old tongue battle cry, and then we see him again here in a second. <laughs> uh... After the Trolloc died, which, I mean, no, sorry, the Trolloc. So, it's not explained in this moment, but sometimes the Merdral have that, you know, link with the Trollocs. I don't know how it's created. Maybe Balsamon does it. Um, and it allows the, Mer the Trollocs to be better under control. However, there is a weakness. When the Merdral dies, a lot of the Trollocs die. And that's what landed. And it was epic. And amazing. And so many servants of the Dark One are dead. Ha <laughs> ha! Take that, Baalzaman. Again, that's really what I needed after dealing with that jackass. It's just so great. <laughs> uh, the warder shouts at them to ride, already leading the ladies up the next hill. And Tom shouted that the way he heard it, the Fade won't die until nightfall, or it won't accept it's dead, or any of those <laughs> explanations. Then we finally get a little bit on Matt. Matt... Poor Matt, who we had seen none of during this battle, had been the only one properly pulled from his saddle. And what's worse, he was pulled by a noose from around his neck. 
And he kind of yanks it off and throws it on the ground with a shudder as he's kind of holding his throat that it kind of hurts. If only this wasn't epic foreshadowing for Matt's future. <laughs> he will be hanged. He will be hanged for knowledge because Matt's like a incarnation of Odin. Uh, Odin and Loki is kind of a mix. Oh, man. I cannot wait for this show. It's going to be so cool. This battle is just going to be so cool. I hope they do it right. Uh, this would be easier to accomplish than Moraine's moment coming up. I don't I don't know how well they're going to properly pull that off at a live-action TV show. Sometimes people, they don't do those magic superpowers or anything that, like that really cool. Sometimes they look cheesy. Sometimes they, I, just, I just want it to be amazing. I, I honestly would have loved a Wheel of Time animated series. I know that might sound odd to some people, but you have so much more creative license there. And there's so much more you can do. And as long as you have good artists and good attention to detail and voice actors who are willing to give it their proper all, it could have been amazing. But... We'll just have to hope. <laughs> so, moving on, the party had no real time to rest. Lan increased their pace yet again. So much so that their poor horses were now sprinting up the next hill and then practically throwing themselves over the other side. I just, I feel bad for these horses. That's a good way for them to break their leg. You know, you gotta you gotta wonder if some Taviran luck was at play here, keeping their horses from jumping over and getting their hooves tangled up in roots or bushes or falling over or getting their foot in a hole and breaking a leg. I mean, they are lucky as all hell that their horses are still able to go like this. That <laughs> good for them. You know, Two Rivers horses are awesome, and apparently so are Mandarb and Aldeep. I wonder where they come from. Maybe the Borderlands? Probably the Borderlands, yeah. Um, so all the while as they're fleeing full tilt, the horns are still getting closer. Again! Soon they could hear their pursuers' guttural cries catching up to them so fast that before long, as soon as they crested the next hill, the Shadowspawn were only like a single hurdle behind them. And it, it, it was... It was getting ridiculous. Like, the hill is described as being entirely blotted out by Trollocs. And them overawed by the supreme terror of three fades leading the charge. Three fades. Poor Rand here. His hopelessness described at seeing these three fades walking towards them was heartbreaking. It was as if his heart shrunk like an, an like an old withered grape. It's just oh man. Oh man. <laughs> uh, your heart turning into a withered grape. That that does sound bad. I've never heard it before. Uh the wheel of time, but it does sound bad. And I kinda keep forgetting that line. So it was it was a it was a fun one this reread. Um But there's nothing else to fear right now. Because this is more where Moraine, Moraine Sedai to you, goes MVP. I have made, I may have gushed about how cool Lan is in this chapter, but let's not forget the small, slight, blue, beautiful little partner that Lan is so proud to have. Damn it, phone! 
So yeah, you can't you can't count Moraine out. There's a reason Alan Mandragoran, last Lord of the Seven Towers, is so proud to have Moraine as his little battle partner. Because she herself is a badass. Moraine steps out of her saddle, unwraps her age-darkened ivory angriol, and strikes her staff on the hilltop, creating a gong-like sound and causing devastation to the enemy line. Moraine causes a freaking earthquake, people. And oh, so much more. She's so great. I cannot describe this well enough. I just can't. So I'm going to let Jordan do it himself. I I'm going to... Where Where am I in the book? Uh, page 268. The second to last paragraph. The Aes Sedai still st stood. Oh, God. Let me start over. Sorry. The Aes Sedai still stood as she had begun. Holding the Angrial and her upright staff thrust into the hilltop, and neither she nor the staff moved an inch, for all that the ground shook and shivered around her. Now the ground rippled, spreading out from the front of her staff, lapping toward the Trollocs like ripples on a pond, ripples that grew as they ran, toppling old bushes, flinging dead leaves into the air, growing, becoming waves of earth, rolling toward the Trollocs. Trees in the hollows last like switches in the hands of small boys. On the far slope, Trollocs fell in heaps, tumbled over and over by the raging earth. You guys heard of a mic drop, right? That's a book drop. You know what I mean? That's a, oh my God, that's amazing. It's, it's awesome. And I, I don't know how they're going to do that in the show. It just, Again, I see, I hear scenes like this, and I'm like, a Wheel of Time anime would be so cool. <laughs> like, well, you know, if, it would probably be made in America, so it would be more of a cartoon based on anime style because it's a more serious thing. But it's just, I, I'm looking forward to the live action, no doubt. But some of these scenes, I wonder how much better they would look if it was animated. And you had, had to work less on CGI effects that don't always come out looking proper. <laughs> Oh, Moraine is so cool. But even with that epicness of grand proportions, the half-men stride toward the party like it's nothing. Like nothing's even happening. I'm pretty sure this was in my clip of the day, guys. Like, th this next moment. And I had to start it with, like, the, the, the half-men just walking across like nothing. I mean, again, they're on their horses. But the fact that their horses are walking like it's nothing is also crazy because Mandarb and Aldeep were unsteady, okay? And they're some of the best trained horses in the series, all right? All the True Rivers folk on horseback, along with the Gleeman, are clinging on for dear life as the earth heaves and waves. And just... But those three fetches just ride in on horseback, hoofbeats perfectly in sync, light, bloody flaming light, like, so unbelievably awesome. You guys remember fetches means fade and like Ilion, right? Just, just, just letting you know. I, you remember what awesome means, right, folks? We have to admit sometimes we use it a bit too much these days, myself included. Oh man, this burger is awesome. Oh man, this game is awesome. Oh my god, this show is awesome. But we 
used it so much, it doesn't really hold as much weight anymore. But awesome means to be in awe of something. And in this scenario, that applies. Moraine won out. I should give all the badass points to Lan. He's going to have to split him with Moraine and he'll be proud to do it. And that's not even all of it. The Aes Sedai is standing there performing tasks worthy of the stories. A tale Tom should definitely be telling one day. Maybe in Kyrian or Camelin, you know, after the war, you know, it'd be pretty cool. But Moraine's not even done yet. She ends her earthquake and the rolling earth because, hey, it's not working on the Murdral. They're the bigger threat. And then she points her staff into, like, the hollow between the hills. And a pillar of flame, like 20 feet tall, sprouts out. And it's, it's just amazing. And then Maureen just spreads her arms wide. And she turned it into a wall of fire. <laughs> separating the humans from evil. <laughs> it's just, my God, I and I. Moraine Sedai, you have my loyalty. I swear to God. So cool. Best Aes Sedai. Best Aes Sedai. Prove me wrong. Give me another Aes Sedai that's nearly as good, okay? Cadswain comes close. Swan's pretty good. But, but, but Moraine is MVP of all the White Tower. Of all of it. The only people that come close are like, you know, Moraine, I mean, uh, Cadswain and... Swan and Leon a little bit and then Egwene Nynaeve and kind of Elaine but sometimes she's snooty and she pisses me off it... freaking wall of fire people oh Maureen's so cool and she's not even good at working with earth and fire and that's not even the biggest Angriel I, I, I love it those midnight black horses that somehow carried the fades forward during the earthquake with no difficulty at all. Th those horses scream in terror now and are refusing to go onward regardless of their raging master's urgings. And they're like, no, that's like magic fire and it's scary. I'm not going to do it. It's oh, I think Matt said it best here. Blood and ashes. I along with Rand and probably the Gleeman and all the other two rivers folk bearing witness, and you as well, listening to this, who have read the scene, are all in awe of Moraine Damadred, Aes Sedai of the Blue Aja. She could have been a great Omerlin seat. Moraine's the greatest. Oh... I'm kind of lost track here in, in the... Moraine is queen of the world. You get what I'm saying? And I hope for the best in the challenge Rosamund Pike will be undertaking because my expectations are high. Moraine is my favorite female character in fantasy. My expectations are high. But I hope for the best. And Rafe Judkins seems to believe you're up to the challenge. So...
And the reason apparently he picked her is he talked to her about Moraine's journey and he felt she understood Moraine. I'm really hoping for you here. Please, please, please blow it out of the park because I honestly don't know how I'll be able to watch the show if I can't get behind Moraine's actress and character. Let's hope for the best. Um, so Lan tells them to run forward. The fire won't burn forever. You need to go. 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 I'm getting Moraine. You need to go. Um, <laughs> and they, 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 they went ahead. Not, not too incredibly fast, but they went ahead. And uh, Lan does cut off, catch up, only after just a little while. Um, leading Moraine, Moraine's horse, Aldeeb, at a slow pace while the Aes Sedai sways dangerously in the saddle holding on with only a grip to her pommel. She is not doing well. She is tired. And Moraine assures them all she's okay because everyone's given her worried looks. And she's only very tired and weak because she's not at her best working with earth and fire. And, you know, she did a lot regardless, even if she'd worked with water and air. You know what I mean? Um, it's crazy. They continue along under Land's lead for a time, not really going too fast because Moraine would fall off. Uh, and I love how Nynaeve's watching Moraine for a little bit. And then she rides up and speaks quietly to her before handing her a little packet of herbs for her to swallow and then falls back looking satisfied. <laughs> I love it when Nynaeve can't help but be herself. She hates Moraine. Absolutely. But she'd rather hate you healthy and able to fight back and give her attitude back than see you weak or unwell and unable to put up any like any 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 argument at all. She most likely helped the Aes Sedai since, like it or not, that woman saved their asses with her fire and her earthquakes and all that. She saved them. Plus, Moraine wouldn't end up holding out as long through her fatigue without the wisdom in her herbs. And most likely, that's the reason why Nynaeve is so satisfied and smug. <laughs> She's like, ha ha, you still think herbs are worthless now, I said I? But again, she kept her smugness to a low level because she's not messing with Moraine right now because Moraine is weak. I just, I love Nynaeve too. After a little while, the Trolloc horns fading behind them and the gang stop for a moment so Moraine and Lan can argue about what to do next because things are, things are getting worse, you know? Gotta figure this out. They could keep going and hope for that trading vessel, but the odds are really not good for that, at least at the moment. Like, you gotta, you gotta wait for everyone's favorite Ilyaner who be an honest businessman by trade, you know what I mean? You can't get on any boat willy-nilly. <laughs> we need Bail Doman. I love Bail Doman. I'm so excited for him to show up at the show. Um, only Nynaeve and the Gleeman were watching the Aes Sedai and the Warder argue. And the rest of the Emmonsfielders were doing their best to avoid it. Because after all, what could come at be the outcome of an argument between Lan and Moraine? You know what I mean? They're just like, oh, I don't, I don't this is, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with that. So, Egwene asked the boys about their war cry, and Rand felt a little embarrassed, but apparently Matt had tried to repeat Moraine's story from the chapter Tellings of the Wheel, and told it badly, of course, according to Tom. But they all know that Moraine's, that, that Minethrin story very, very well by now. 
Uh, I like the idea that maybe Matt uh, Tom's mad because Moraine told it so well and Matt was butchering it. I'd, lo I'd love that. But yeah, so they all know the Minethrin story really well. And you're like, you know, we have a right. That's what Perrin says, you know. They have the right. They are the descendants of Minethrin after all. And the, their descendants fought the Dark One back. And then right here and now, they have to fight him again. They have the right. And Egwene just kind of gives a little sniff to show what she thought of that line of thought. I, 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 I thought it gets funny. And I, I've heard people get uh, irritated about this. I like the describer of the irritated sniff from a lot of the lady characters. I do. I find it very funny. And I, it, gets, it gets it across to me very well that they're like, dumbass. That, that, that's what it sounds like to me. Dumbass. <laughs> I love it. Egwene's oh. Oh. like, yeah, that's not what I meant. Okay? Whatever. I didn't mean that. I want to know what Matt was shouting about. And Matt's all embarrassed. I don't know. I don't really want to know. It's crazy what the mind makes up, right? <laughs> you can't. Yeah, let's just forget about it. And the queen's just like, I don't know. I don't think it was made up. I almost felt like I understood it. And that's when Moraine comes in from behind and she repeats what he said. You know, the Ankaldazar, Ankaldazar. Uh, she's like, it's an ancient war cry from Minethrim. It translates as, for the honor of the Red Eagle, for the honor of the Rose of the Sun. And apparently Eldraine, the queen of Minethrim, was known as the Rose of the Sun. Uh, and it's funny that those two were the ones that felt it was the most important, that kind of got the old tongue there the best. Rand's not actually blood of Minethrim. Uh, he was just raised by them, and technically Perrin's got a soul of a wolf, maybe even was a wolf in another age, right? And Nynaeve, just, she's just super strong, I, I guess. Um, but I've always wondered if maybe Matt was an ancestor of a great general or noble or even the king of Minethrin, and perhaps Egwene was the reincarnation of Eldraine herself, of the queen of Minethrin. I like it, but who knows? Uh, and it, the old blood sings in the True Rivers, people. It sings. <laughs> and apparently in this world, old blood means you spout out languages that are dead. That's cool, too. <laughs> uh, I want to point out that Matt was spouting old tongue and singing catches of song when he was nervous and doing all of this shit before the dagger. Want to point that out? Point that out. The dagger kind of amplified a lot of it. Okay. And then when he went through the doorway, in tear, he no no in a in a the waste. That's the one where he gets the memories. But he's been spouting old tongue and all this since before that. Like this is his thing. I think memories and remembering the old blood was his thing from the beginning. Parents the wolf brother, Rand's the dragon, Matt's the general. I love it. Or horn sounder, you know, the trumpeter. Yeah. Uh, Egwene seems torn between smiling and trying to guess if Moraine is serious or not about this old tongue stuff. Uh, you know, like, how does she feel about this old blood business? But Matt, at one look, you could tell he felt no good about it, you know? If Matt was some reborn king in Minethrin, then maybe the Trollocs were after him and not the others. And both... 
Matt, Rand, and Perrin, they all, all three seem to have that thought at once because Rand and Perrin seem super guilty. <laughs> like, they're just like, oh, I was hoping it was him for a second. But that's just not cool. And and they feel guilty about it. And that's good. It's, it's, it's actually, like, completely natural for them in that moment to kind of go, oh, I hope it's not me. But then it's completely human in the next to go, oh, I wish I hadn't thought that. This person's my friend. I like it. I like it. So Tom asked Moraine if they had made a decision yet, or do they plan to stay here and wait? And Moraine's like, no, we're not going to wait. And I don't really want to go. And Lan's like, that's where we got to go. She's like, fine. We have a plan. I just don't like it. Warder lead that leads going to lead them to somewhere where the Trollocs would never go for a reason. <laughs> it's just, no. Uh, she's just not into going. Lan wants it, but Lan's desperate, you know? He wants to make sure she's safe because she's so tired. And she wants to meet, make sure they're safe because that's what she wants. Oh, poor guy. I, I hope I didn't stumble too much there. I think I confused myself with that uh, unhappy, but yeah, we have to go somewhere that we don't want to go. La, 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 la. The sounds of horns break through again, revealing that the shadow spot have made it past the fire. And Moraine calls them all in close and she's like, well, we don't got a lot of time now. They're coming. So she crowds them all in as close to possible until it's described as like the horse's heads are all kind of like overlaid over each other's shoulder blades and stuff. They're, they're all crowded in. And Moraine stands on her stirrup and waves her staff over their heads several times. And that's really cool. And then she points the staff west and it's like sends off a dust cloud in that direction, you know, rattling the branches, flying up leaves and all that stuff. It is very cool. And apparently it's going to be sending their scents and illusions of their tracks west. Because she said it will appear like our tracks and scents go west. How does she do the tracks thing? That's what's cool about it. Oh, It's not going to buy them a lot of time. But it'll buy them a little bit of time. And hopefully that will be enough to get them in even worse trouble. <laughs> so with that, land leads them onward yet again. But this time at a much, much more careful pace. Much slower. Trying best not to disturb the growth around them the best they could. And, you know, everyone knows. Uh, oh, that every that was not how that's spelled. I'm looking at my notes and it says everyone knows and it's supposed to say every now and then. That that makes sense in my notes, doesn't it? <laughs> every now and then the warder would fall back uh, to watch their trail and try to disguise it a little bit and if anyone so much just talk, just one, <clears throat> you know, death glare from the warder. And we already got described, his eyes are not something you want a death glare from. Like, <laughs> It's a little scary. But before long, they notice something rearing out of the trees and above the hills. And Rand's like, whoa, is that a cliff? Is that a gray cliff? Whatever, that's huge. And they get closer, and he's like, no, no, those are towers. Oh, my God, that's a city wall. That's a city wall. And all the all three Edmonds builders, uh, the boys, and I guess they're all freaking out a little bit. They're like, this thing is huge. Why is there a city out here? This is like 50 times the size of Barrelon. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. And, and Perrin's like, yeah, a city out here is crazy, especially one without any people. And they all look at him like, what? And he's like, what? Look at the wall. You see all that ivy? 
would people living here let ivy get uh, get all over that wall it cr brings down the walls it gets in and cracks it all up look there's already pieces falling down and they're like holy shit there is then maybe there's no people here it's crazy and then they get to a, a small side gate and it's big enough for 50 horses abreast to get through. It's like, whoo, this is big. And they're like, whoa, what is this place? And Matt's like, what's it? What is it? Like, where are we? And uh, <laughs> Maureen's like, this was once called Arid Hall, but it's no more. It was a great ally to Manethrin, but now it's a goes by another name. And they head fo forward like very ominously. And Matt's like, oh, what name? And they're like, keep going forward. And Matt's like, what name? And she's like, Shadar Logith. Shadar Logith, y'all, we've made it. So much shit is going to happen soon. Oh, Matt's going to pick up that stupid dagger. Oh, but at least, you know what? I used to hate it. But once you get to the last book, you realize it's very, very good Matt had the dagger for a little bit. <laughs> wow. Oh, this went on for a while. Oh. This was a good chapter, guys. A good chapter. So that's it, folks. Chapter 18, The Canelan Road, is done, and it was good. It was so good. Lan and Moraine, that duo was MVP all the way. Lan was so cool, and Moraine was awe-inspiring. It's, it's just great. Comment below if the first time you read that or if you even read that now, you're just like, wow, Moraine is so cool. Because you think about all the stuff that Elaine and Egwene and Nynaeve and Rand and all them do in the future with the power. And you look at this now and you're like, still very impressive, Moraine Sedai. Very, very impressive, Aes Sedai. You're amazing, Aes Sedai. <laughs> She's just so great. Ah. No one beats out Moraine. Oh, I love it. I love it. Comment below if you thought she was as great as I did. <laughs> I, just, I might give them too, a little too much love sometimes, but they deserve it. They just they just deserve it. Oh, and then next chapter, they're going to be in Shadar Logos. I think we're going to meet more death. Oh, that's going to be interesting. I'm so excited. I hope you guys enjoyed this chapter as much as I did. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I hope I didn't ramble or go on too many tangents. Uh, I started trying to record this pretty early, and I wasn't out of it. I was like, I need to go to the gym, but I don't want to. And now I've done this, and I'm full of energy. I might go to the gym now once I'm done recording and I start posting this. Uh, I was a little worried because I'm like, you know, I, I did all that work yesterday, 20 pages of notes, and I sit down and I'm like, I'm ready to record, I am so hyped, this is going to be amazing, and then like, I hit the play button, I hit the record button, and then all of a sudden, the fireworks get louder, and get bigger, and get more numerous, and then like, the dogs just went nuts, they were actually fine most of the night, but a couple times, they just went nuts. And by the time last night, I thought, you know, maybe I'll try again. I was just so damn tired. So I was like, you know what? I'll just record this in the morning and then post it. It'll still be out on Friday. I'm still keeping my word. You know, I was kind of joking with a family member. As long as it's out on 1159.58 seconds, it's still out on Friday. <laughs> but no, I planned it on getting this out early. Uh, I may not have made podcast history like I joked in my post on Twitter, but uh, I had a lot of fun. 
and I hope you guys did too. Uh, if you have any comments or uh, criticism or advice or you want to ask Baalzaman something or anything like that, you know, tweet me at the Gleeman Radio, uh, email me at gleemanradio at gmail.com, comment on Podbean. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or iTunes or anything like that or any platform at all, give me likes and give me like five star ratings and stuff because knowing that people are enjoying the podcast is what makes this grind so much more bearable you know even if i hear one or two people going i love it i'm like all right those two love it let's keep going you know i I just let me know if you're enjoying it and if you're not let me know what i could do to try and make it a better experience for you I would love that. So again, comment, like, email. I don't know. I'm thinking about doing a Q&A with Baal Zaman. Maybe if he got some more attention, he'd stop being a raging douche. I don't... I don't know. <laughs> so, wherever you guys are, morning, afternoon, or evening, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care now. Peace out. Bye.